0: If you, if, you welcome, if 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 you are visiting with us for the first time, a special welcome to you. If you're here because of the baptisms, a special welcome to you. My name is John, also one of the pastors here at Connect Church. We're busy with a series, if you look across the board over there on your left-hand side, you'll see a series that we've been busy with over... Probably the last four or five months, um, and we'll finish that up uh, at the end of the year. And really been focusing on uh, what is called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, chapter six, and verse seven. And so I'm going to be focusing on a portion of that um, this evening. But let me start off by, by telling you a little story. And uh, some years ago, we uh, Terry and I, my wife, we lived in uh, East London, and something I've been wanting to do all my life was to do a scuba diving course. I don't know how many of you have ever done a scuba diving course, but one of the things they're really strict about when you do a scuba diving course is preparing you for every and any eventuality that might take place. In other words, if you're under the water and there is a crisis, you need to know what to do, otherwise you're going to die. It's as simple as that. And, and I remember during uh, one of the practice dives, you have a number of practice dives before you actually formally get your license, I remember we were down, we were, we were, we were diving uh, in a quarry, and we were probably about six meters down underneath the water, and the next minute I felt our dive instructor on top of me, and he literally ripped off my dive mask, pulled my TV out of my mouth, and there I was, six meters down, no air, couldn't see what was doing and had to be able to, in that kind of situation, be able to rectify that, find my 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 mask again, uh, put my DV back in and be able to carry on swimming under the water. And, and, and I share that with you tonight because it's amazing that in life, how important it is to be able to equip, be equipped to face some of the challenges in life. Uh, and you know, the same is true uh, for us as Christians. We need to be well equipped to face some of the challenges in life. Jesus has been preaching a sermon uh, over here about what the Christian life is like. Uh, and he says as, as we begin to discover what the Christian life is like, we need to be prepared for every eventuality when we're going to live the Christian life. And so in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12, he begins to talk about why prayer is so important. He begins to unpack why prayer is so important uh, to this new way of living. He says that people need to know how to pray because of what the Christian life is like. When you, when you begin to read what he's been saying, when you discover what Jesus has been saying, you need to know how to pray into that. People need to pray because they will need God's grace to live uh, the Christian life. Trevor, am I coming and going? Can I get a handheld mic? I think it's going to be... Yeah. Am I on? Okay, that's cool. All right. So, so people need to pray because of, of God's grace. You will discover... When you hear what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, it's impossible to live that way without God's grace. You, you'll never be able to live that, that kind of life. I'll never be able to live that kind of life uh, without God's grace. People, people need to pray because God answers prayer. We pray because God answers prayer. I was... Um, I was looking at uh, some information in terms of the way that uh, Christians pray today. And it's an, it comes from the Barna Institute in the United States. And if we, Charlene, you can put that up, here's, here's a, just a little bit of an indication uh, how most Christians pray. And uh, what you can see is there's quite a glaring difference between the number of people who pray on their own and the number of people in the Western world and in the church that pray together. Only 2% of Christians deem it necessary and, and, and important to pray together. And uh, if we had more time tonight, I'd love you to turn to each other and, uh, and answer this question. Why is it that Christians in the West are so focused on individual prayer and so little focused on praying together? It's a big question we need to ask ourselves. I think part of it is that we're living in a culture that's very self-focused and very individualistic. As part of the challenge. If you want to see some of the things that Christians pray about, if we can put that next slide up. You can see these are some of the things that have been tabled that, that Christians pray about when they pray. And so when we, when we come to, to Matthew chapter 7, let's see what Jesus has to say about prayer. You know these, many of you know these verses. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, and then Jesus almost re-emphasizes what he's been saying. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then here's a verse that just doesn't seem to fit when we're talking about prayer. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And it's almost like, where does that fit in with prayer? And I want to, us to look at that a, a little bit later on. So, so so, what's important about what Jesus says about prayer is, is that these verses must be understood in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. You see, I've heard people talk about uh, you can ask God for anything and he's going to give it to you. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying ask God. And you will receive in the context of what I've been saying in the Lord's Prayer. Let's have a look at what he means by that. He talks about us having a righteousness that surpasses that of the the Pharisees and scribes. And what Jesus is saying, when you recognize that our lifestyle needs to be way better than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, that's only possible by God's strength and in God's strength. That's what he's saying. Forgiving one another. I don't know how many of you find it really easy to forgive people when they've really wronged you. But, but one of the things that we, we are taught, you remember, in the Lord's Prayer, that we need, we, we need to be a forgiving uh, group of people, a forgiving community. And, and, and yet, we find how difficult that is. But it's possible as God enables us. Honoring our commitments. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's only possible as God enables us. And we can go on and on and on. So when we pray, Jesus said, we must expect when we pray that God is going to answer prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. And, And I think what Jesus is saying over here is tremendously encouraging because of all the challenges we face in life. You see, the Sermon on the Mount talks about the Christian lifestyle. And the Christian lifestyle is a lifestyle where we need to love our enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a massive challenge to face. And when we think about that, you know, it's so nice to talk about that here on a Sunday evening in a church service. But isn't it very different when we actually are face to face with our enemy? And then we find how challenging that is. And so what Jesus is saying over here, I want you to know in circumstances like that, you can ask and it will be given to you. Or what about not holding grudges against one another? Those things that we often feel we have the right uh, to hold grudges against one another because somebody else has done something to us. And he's saying we shouldn't be that kind of a person. We should turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. And so what he's saying, when you face that challenge and you find you're not able to do that, you need to ask and you need to seek and you need to knock and you'll discover God's going to answer that prayer. So we continually need to be reminded that prayer is not a waste of time something really profound happens when we begin to pray. Do you know that the Bible says that when we pray according to God's will, we can be sure that He's going to answer that prayer. When we pray according to... Look at 1 John, chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Now, here's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. When you read through the Sermon on the Mount, when you hear the Sermon on the Mount preached about, you know that's God's will. This is not a maybe. This is not a if. You say Jesus is saying, this is what the Christian lifestyle is going to look like. So when we pray according to the Lord's prayer, we know we are praying in the will of God. Paul learnt an incredible lesson in his own life. He found there were times when he had plenty, there were times when he was in need. And he said, But I've learnt to be content, for I can do all things through Christ who enables me. See, that was the secret he learnt. The secret wasn't just about contentment. The secret is this. I can do all things through Christ. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You need to come to me. You need to discover I can enable and I will enable you to live this lifestyle. But when we pray, we are to pray with confidence because of something that's called the fatherhood of God. You see, when somebody becomes a Christian, their relationship with God changes. There is a difference. If you do not know the Lord, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you have not believed in Jesus, your relationship with God is different to somebody who has. That's why John chapter 1 tells us to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That means God is our Father. Paul speaks about that in Galatians chapter 4 as well. He said. Uh, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. God is no longer distant. He is now, Jesus said over here, He is a Father, and He gives good gifts to them that ask Him. And here's the gold in this verse. God will only give us what is good for us? Not in your opinion, in his opinion. He, there is never a time when you ask God that he's going to harm you. That he's going to give to you what is something that's not good for you. Because he loves you and he cares for you. And in his wisdom, the way in which he answers prayer is always for our good. What are some of the good gifts that God gives to us? Let me suggest some of them to you this evening. I believe one of the good gifts that he gives to us is the Holy Spirit. Have a look at a parallel scripture to this. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. Very same verse that we've been reading in Matthew. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? One of the blessings of the Christian life is we receive the Holy Spirit. God himself comes to live in us by his Spirit. Another one of those good gifts is the ability to be content in any and every situation. As Paul spoke about it in Philippians chapter 4, I've learned the secret of being content. Now that's one of, the, one of the good gifts. What about the freedom from overwhelming, paralyzing anxiety? Do not be anxious about anything, but everything in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. What about the supernatural ability that God gives us to love one another? He says says the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. We are able to love because of the Spirit of God that is in us. You see, what Jesus has been highlighting in the Sermon on the Mount are all the good gifts that God gives to us when we ask of Him. But there's one aspect that Jesus talks about when it comes to prayer that's not always obvious in the way these verses have been written. There are times we need to persevere in prayer. You see, because the, the, these verses don't just say, ask and it will be given in. What they're saying is, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And, and what's so wonderful about that? is that we need to realize the Christian life is not about instant, it's a process. The Christian life is about a process. Uh, As we begin to pray, God begins to answer prayer, and we begin to change as he has been describing in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we keep on praying and we keep on changing because God keeps on asking. As we persevere in prayer we experience more and more of what Jesus has been talking about. It's as we recognize our dependence on God, we see that prayer is answered. You see, when I recognize my need and I go to God and pray, that's when I begin to see him answering. That's why Jesus tells not one but, but two parables about persevering in prayer. One of them is you'll find in Luke chapter 11. And I think it's one that most of us can identify with. It is about a man who receives a friend late at night. He had, he had come to a particular village and, and in those days there was no Airbnb. So, so when you arrived in a certain village, you would go to your friend and you would knock on the door and say, Hey, I need accommodation. And what had happened, one of his friends had arrived, he needed accommodation. And hospitality was in the Middle East that you not only gave accommodation, but you needed to give the person a meal. And so when the guy opened the fridge, there was nothing in the fridge to give his friend for a meal. So what does he do? He goes to his neighbor, and he begins to knock on the door. And he says, listen, I've got a guest. It, it is hospitable for me to place a meal before them. Have you got something for me? And that guy's really miffed. It's, it's late at night. His family is asleep. The kids are sleeping. The animals are sleeping. Yes, somebody knocking on his door. And he says, go away. I'm not interested. And, and the guy just he says, but like, I've got a guest. I, I, I've, got, I've got to feed him. And he keeps knocking on the door and he keeps and eventually the guy gets up. And the Bible says over here, I tell you, they will not get up and give him bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now what's the point of that? The point is, Jesus is not an irritable person fast asleep that you are disturbing in the middle of the night. Jesus is a good, good father. And when we go to him, he gives us generously as a willing father. That's the whole point when we persevere and pray. The other one is about a widow in Luke chapter 18. And you remember, widows were vulnerable people in those days. They had nobody to look after them. And somebody was taking advantage of this woman, this widow. And she goes to the judge, and the Bible tells us this judge, he didn't care about God, and he didn't care about people. And she goes to him and says, Help! And he said, I'm not interested in helping you. And she said, well, that's not good enough. And she goes back over and over and over again. In verse 7 of chapter 18. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And this is now not talking about help. This is talking about issues of justice. And there are times when we as Christians, we do not take up a sword. We cry out to God and we say, God, will you bring about justice? And because he is a good father, he hears our prayers. Not because we've we've driven him over the edge, because we've been nagging him. Now, the whole point of these instructions on, on prayer come together in verse 12. Let me read it to you again. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to, this, to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. You see, we've got to remember what Jesus was talking about. You remember Brad, where's Brad? Brad was talk, speaking about this last, last Sunday evening. Jesus had been speaking about the, the right way to treat one another. He says we are not to judge one another. By that, he's not saying we mustn't be uh, alert to what is happening amongst one another. What he's saying is this. Don't walk around with a judgmental attitude. Because you're going to need to give an account for yourself before God. In the way that you judge people, you're going to be judged. So don't walk around with a judgmental attitude. He goes on to say, while there needs to be accountability, it needs to be done in a spirit of gentleness and humility. Because we've all got our own failings. He says, take the log out of your own eye before you take the splint out of somebody else's eye. There must be accountability, but we do it in gentleness. We do it remembering that we too are sinners and that we've fallen. And so we deal with each other in gentleness and humility. And then he goes on to say, we all know you can only do this in God's grace. You'll never do it in your own strength. And then in answer to all of those things Jesus has been talking about, not being judgmental, taking the plank, don't throw pearls before swine, he then lands in verse 12, and he says we are to treat one another in the same way we would like to be treated. Let me put it to you like this. Jesus has been talking about the way we to treat one another, then he breaks away and he begins to talk about prayer, and then he comes back to answer the question on how we are to treat one another. And the way in which we to treat one another is we are to love one another as God has loved us. You see, that's the golden rule. Love God and love others. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 22. You see, we don't just pray for the sake of praying. We pray because we want to see things change. And friends, change always begins with me. And change always begins with you. You see, when we hear the Sermon on the Mount... It's not about somebody else. It's about me. And it's about you. And friends, isn't it true to say that when we change, others begin to change? We begin to be agents of change in this world because we have changed. Do you remember then in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, it says we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth? Do you know what it means to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth? It's everything that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it means to be salt and light. And he's saying, if you're going to be salt and light and I'm going to be salt and light, we need to pray. And we need to pray regularly. And we need to pray together. And we need to persevere in prayer. And we need to know that God's going to answer prayer so we can be the community that is salt and light in the world today. I was listening to a testimony just the other day. And I want to share it with you in closing. It's a testimony of a, of a young lady that used to work in a coffee shop in the UK. And she was a Christian. And she loved to talk to people about God. And she would go to work and she would talk to people about God. But she said there was one thing I didn't like. And it's the, some of the things, the, the rules and regulations of the, the business that I was working in. She said I was required to wear a uniform. And I hated the uniforms they had. So I never used to wear my uniform. She said that we had to come to work at an unearthly hour if we were going to work there. She said, I didn't like that, so I was often late for work. She said, I, I, was, I was supposed to, to sell things that I didn't really appreciate, like green tea. So I had to, like, promote this stuff. And she said, I didn't like it, and so I never used to do that. I would avoid doing that because, I, I, I don't know if you like green tea, but anyway, she didn't. But then, then God began to speak to her. And she recognized, I need to bring my life into alignment with what God was saying. And I, if, if I was a Christian, then I needed to be, if, if I was working for somebody, I needed to toe the line in terms of the, what was expected of me. And she said, I made a decision I was going to bring my life into alignment with God. I needed to recognize that, that in that business there were people who, who had authority and I needed to listen to them because it was a waste of time telling them about God if I wasn't going to listen to them. And she said, the manageress in that business was uh, quite anti when she'd speak about God. And she said, I started going to work and I wore my uniform and I pitched up on time and I even sold green tea. It wasn't a moral issue. And she said, after three months, and I want to quote to you, my manageress came to me and said, I'm changing my mind about God. You see, what happens is when we change, we become salt and light. When we are different, we become salt and light. And the only way we're going to be salt and light is not just by hearing the sermon, but praying that we become that kind of person. That makes sense to you? You see, when Jesus said, ask and keep on asking, he's saying, I want you to pray about being that kind of person. And you face challenges in being that kind of person, and I'll face challenges in being that kind of person. But it's as we pray and as we persevere in pray, we will see the God of heaven, our Father who loves us, who gives good gifts to us. He'll begin to ask those prayers, and we become agents of change in the world we live in. Friends, may I say to you, I believe the hope of the world I believe the hope of this country is the Christian church and I'm just not saying that lightly but it's the Christian church in alignment with the Sermon on the Mount it's the Christian church living out what Jesus has been talking about not that we are perfect but we know that as we trust God God in his grace is able to do what he's been talking about what's been spoken about in that sermon Friends, that's the secret. That's why I'm so excited about about this tonight. That's why I want to call you as a church to pray. Because we need to pray. The only way we're going to get it right is in God's strength. The only way I and you will ever become that kind of person as we say, God, will you give us grace? God, will you strengthen us? And then we go out and do it in His grace and by His strength. That's the way. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock on the door. will be open to you. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray. And the team's going to come up, the worship team. I just want to ask you this evening, as an attitude, in an attitude of humility before the Lord, just to hold your hands out, palms upward, and say, God, I come in humility to acknowledge tonight that it's by your grace that I'll be the person you want me to be. Lord, it's by the enabling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know my weaknesses, you know my failings. Lord, you know the times when I struggle with some of the very things you've been speaking about in the Sermon on the Mount. But I come to you to ask tonight. And I come to you to seek tonight. And I come to you to knock tonight. And Lord, I do that because uh, you are my good father and you give good gifts to them that ask of you. And God as a church, we want to say, enable us to be sold tonight. Lord, will you begin with us. Will you start changing us? Will you continue to change us? Will you reveal your hand in our lives, Lord? So that when we talk to people about you, they will say that's for real, because those people live that. And God, I pray that you'll do that for us as your church. In Jesus' name, amen.